Thanks for tuning in to Farmer Theologian, a podcast designed to help you build deeply rooted practical theology. Let's get to work. All right, friends, welcome to a new episode of Farmer Theologian, episode 22. Very excited. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. And I want to say particularly thank you to those of you who have left reviews. I've appreciated those. I've read them. Uh, They've been a blessing. Uh, apparently, it helps with the algorithm. I've never been accused of having rhythm, let alone understanding algorithm. So I'm not sure I understand that, but everybody says it helps. So thank you for your help in that. And if you haven't already left a review, go ahead and drop me a review. Help me get some algorithm or something like that. Uh, just a couple of disclaimers as we begin today's episode one. I am having some allergies this week. Thank you for your concern, but I am fine. Uh, but my voice has been very inconsistent for about a week and a half now. So if it goes out, don't worry. I'm not coming of age. I'm not doing anything. It's just cut hay fields, fresh cut hay fields do this to me. Uh, today's topic is the Bereans, the Bereans of Acts chapter 17. Very few people in scripture have such a brief mention and have made such an impact on the church and on how we view ourselves and the church as the Bereans. They're very, very briefly mentioned in Acts chapter 17, but they have had a massive impact. Uh, Sadly, though, I would say much of the time, uh, the Bereans are far too often misunderstood, or the truth of what the Bereans uh, represent is misapplied, if you will. Uh, It's often used as an excuse or a cover, a masking for cynicism. And frankly, I think often it's used to justify what Paul describes in 2 Timothy 4.3 as accumulating from oneself teachers in accordance with one's own desires. Uh, We don't want to do that. We don't want to be that type of person. We do want to be like the noble Bereans. And so I think it's uh, incumbent upon us to understand what the Bereans were, what point the author of Acts is making, and how we can learn from the totality of Scripture with our view of scripture and particularly the local church. And I just want to say, I think this is a particular danger in the internet age. I think in the internet age, it is far too easy to misapply the truth of what's being communicated in Acts 17 and justify accumulating teachers for ourselves in accordance with our own desires. So I want to help you today by pushing you towards a biblical understanding of the Bereans and how we can rightly imitate them. So I want to begin by reading Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. Again, I said it's a brief text that they're mentioned in. It's it's really one clause of one verse that people hang on. And so I do want to go ahead and read that. And as always, I'll be reading from the NASB 95 or the non-Arminian Standard Bible. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 10. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, When they had arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of the prominent Greek women and men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there as well agitating and stirring up the crowds. So here we see the Bereans. And for the most part, all we consider in our understanding of being like the noble Bereans is the very last part of verse 11, examining the scriptures daily 
to see whether these things were so. And we use that, sadly, to make ourselves justified or to justify ourselves in terms of being cynical or being unreceptive to the word being taught from us. But notice, before that, it says, for they received the word with great eagerness. They received the word that Paul had taught in eagerness or with eagerness. So I want to break this down a little bit and help you understand. And I think first, as with any text of scripture, the importance to understand the text and to rightly understand the text is to understand the context. This is the context of the early church. Acts records a period of transition, the period of establishing the church. And as it was, Paul's habit, as he is going around on his missionary journeys, he would go to the synagogues first. Now, what does this text for us highlight? It's mentioned in there a couple times when you read most verses, and I hope you picked up on that. It highlights the contrast between the synagogue uh, believer or the synagogue attendees in Berea versus those in Thessalonica to the Jews that were in Berea who Paul went to versus the Jews who were in Thessalonica that Paul went to. That is the contrast being highlighted. And I want to give a hat tip to Richard Caldwell. I was musing about this on Twitter yesterday, and he replied to me, and I think he has some really important insights to this. He says, and I'll quote him here. This is, again, Richard Caldwell. You could follow him at R-C-A-L-D-W at, on Twitter, at R-C-A-L-D-W. That's Richard Caldwell on Twitter. He's the pastor of Founders Baptist in Spring, Texas. He says, I think it is my mission in life to rescue the Bereans. They were not apologists. They were more teachable, he puts that in all caps, more teachable than those in Thessalonica, not more skeptical. They were actually willing to hear Paul's teaching of scripture, received it with eagerness. In other words, he continues in a second tweet, in other words, scripture doesn't contrast between Bereans, or contrast Bereans rather with the gullible. Scripture contrasts them with the people in Thessalonica who wouldn't consider what he's teaching. And I think he sums up in this tweet the very important point for us to remember in understanding the context of this. He goes from Thessalonica to Berea, and all through his description of what's happening in Berea, there is a contrast drawn with the Thessalonicans. The Thessalonican Jews hated Paul, kicked him out of the town, treated him poorly, would not receive the word, whereas the Bereans, the Jews in the Berean synagogue, were considered more noble than those in Thessalonica for, or because you could say, they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The emphasis is on the receiving of the word with eagerness, not a cynical examining. In fact, the examining is is helping understand how they received it. They received the word and they examined the word daily. They followed up in their study daily. So in contrast with the Jews of Thessalonica who were not receptive, unwilling to accept the word of promise, we have these Bereans who are willing to accept that. Now we know from Acts chapter 13, as we get a glimpse of Paul's typical pattern, he would go into the synagogue and his visit to the synagogue would include expositing the word of God. He would sit humbly, he would wait for the law to be read, and then when asked to share, he would speak the truths of Christ from the word of God. I think the book of Hebrews gives us a great example, and it's not the topic of this episode and certainly not something that I'm going to debate you 
valiantly on because scripture doesn't tell us, but I believe Hebrews is a recording of Paul's typical synagogue teaching where he's warning the those Hebrews, the new covenant has come. Don't miss it. Don't miss out. Don't harden your heart when you have heard the truth of the gospel and turn away from it. He would always read the scriptures. If you read through Hebrews, there are tons and tons and tons of scripture quotations because that was Paul's typical habit when he would go into the synagogues proclaiming from the scripture the gospel. The Thessalonians would not receive it, but the Bereans would. Their receptivity to the word and their diligence to the word is what is highlighted, not their cynicism towards Paul, and certainly not their exalting themselves as the sole arbiters of the correct interpretation of scripture. Rather, it is their teachability, their receptivity, and their diligence in studying the word that is highlighted. Also, in helping us understand this text and how we apply this text to our lives, I think it's always important in our study of Scripture to remember the difference between descriptive passages and prescriptive passages. Acts is a descriptive text. It is a recording of history. It is telling us what happened. It is not giving straightforward prescriptions of what should happen. Yes, we can take principles from this text. Yes, it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, just like all of Scripture is. Still, we must admit and we must understand that there are prescriptive texts that teach believers how they are to grow and to understand God's Word. And the primary context for that throughout the New Testament, and particularly the prescriptive texts of the New Testament, is the local church. Is the local church. God gives order to the local church. He sets it in order. It is his design. It is his means of accomplishing his kingdom purposes on earth. And it is the church that will continue on into eternity. No other organization that God gives to the world will continue on into the eternity. There will only be one government in eternity, not many governments. So our understanding of how government applies to our life is a temporary thing. There won't be families. There will be none given into marriage. So the family is not lasting into eternity. The church is going into eternity. And the church is God's means of building his kingdom here on earth. And he gives order to that church in prescriptive texts. He charges pastors and elders to oversee the doctrine of the local church in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus chapter 1. He gives instructions for discipleship within a local church context in Titus chapter 2. Older women teach younger women. Older men teach younger men. There's an order given to discipleship, and it is within the context of a local church. That whole epistle to Titus is about setting in order the church, right? I left you there in Crete for this purpose, to set set this in order, and he's telling them how to do that. That includes discipleship relationships within the local church. The church is charged in Hebrews to remember and to imitate the faith of those who have taught you the word. That's in Hebrews chapter 13. 1 Timothy chapter 5 tells us to honor those. In fact, tells us those who work hard at preaching and teaching are worth double honor. Now, this is an important note for us here. This does not create a special class of super Christians. It doesn't mean that pastors or elders are without fault or inerrant, and it does not give pastors or elders an authority equal to or above the scripture. Certainly not, friends. We are not papists, brothers. But This does tell us, does show us that the local church, the local church, which is designed, ordered, and ordained by God, 
the local church, which is led by men who God has provided qualifications for in his word, the local church rightly handling the word of God is a primary means that God has designed for teaching you sound doctrine and sound living and for protecting your doctrine and your living. So being a noble Berean should be done in context of the local church with receptivity and teachability to the word of God. So how do we apply this understanding? How do we apply what we've learned about the noble Bereans and what we know to be true from God's word, the prescriptive text about the church? Well, dear friend, let me encourage you, if you want to be a true noble Berean and be growing in the word of God, prioritize the local church. Prioritize the local church. Be receptive to the teaching of God's word. Be Receive it with eagerness like the Bereans did. Search it daily to see that those things are so like the noble Bereans did. That's a, a, a seeking verification. That's not a cynicism. Be receptive to the teaching of, word, of the word of God. Be neither gullible nor cynical. I think a great, I'll give you another hat tip and a, two tweet quotes in one day. Tranway you to that same treat, tweet thread. He's a pastor in California friend of mine that I went to seminary with, he responded to Richard Caldwell's tweet in a great way. He says, and this is a quote, amen. Believers should not be gullible or skeptical, but eager and teachable, recognizing the grace of God and qualified teachers, but also recognizing the final authority of God and the scriptures alone. Amen. Amen. That is such a great way of saying it. We don't want to be either gullible or cynical or skeptical. Rather, we want to be teachable and eager to learn from qualified men while still recognizing that scripture has the ultimate authority. So examine the scriptures humbly and by being teachable. Now, what do you do when something seems unclear When something seems not super clear at first? Now, one, recognize that scripture is clear. So if there's a, a seeming lack of clarity in scripture, the problem is with us. And so we lean into the means by which God is given us to learn and to be teachable. So if something seems unclear to you, ask your pastors, your elders, your discipler at your local church to show you from scripture, to help you understand what scripture says and ask them humbly, ask them in it with a teachable spirit. Well, what about if there's doctrinal disagreement? Again, ask with humility and teachability, your local church pastors, elders, disciplers, those in your local church to show you the truth from scripture and then listen charitably listen to them eager to receive what they have to say willing to consider and to consider long what they have to say not defensive not coming in with your own posture of disagreement but asking them show me from scripture god has appointed you as my elder maybe this older woman at the church if you're a younger woman she is she is designed by god to be in a discipleship relationship with you within the local church context Ask them to show you from scripture and then be teachable. Listen with charitably. Listen, friend, as a general rule, the bulk of your teaching and discipleship should come from your local church, not from online resources, not from parachurch resources, not even from great books. God has designed the local church to carry out his means of making disciples among the nations of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So lean in first to the local church. That's not to say that online resources 
parachurch ministries or good books are not profitable. I love all those things. You're probably listening to this podcast online right now, but I will tell you, my podcast is designed primarily for the saints at Grace Community Baptist Church, who the Lord has given me a relationship with, and the Lord has called me to serve as their pastor. If you find something on here that disagrees with something your pastor says, I would eagerly encourage you, go to your pastor, give him the priority, ask him to show you from scripture where I'm wrong, be teachable, be receptible to what he says. Prioritize the local church. Now you may be thinking, well, what if I'm not getting that at my local church? What if my pastor is not solid? What if my pastor doesn't have sound doctrine? What if there is no discipleship relationships? Let me encourage you again, be humble and be teachable. Consider your input and your effort. Are you really making a priority of the local church? Not just going on Sunday, but trying to prioritize as best you can, going to the various discipleship and equipping opportunities that your church provides. Have you reached out to an older man or an older woman in your church and asked them to disciple you? Have you reached out to a believer in your church who's more mature than you in the faith and asked them to disciple you? Consider your input and effort. And then ask humbly. Ask somebody humbly. Ask your pastor. Ask one of your elders. Ask just a more mature saint in the church. Will you disciple me? I have questions about these certain doctrines. I have questions about certain applications of doctrine. Can you walk me through the scriptures and teach me? Ask that humbly. And then I would encourage you, be patient and be persistent. This may not happen right away. Maybe your church doesn't have a, a strong foundation of discipleship, a strong kind of ethos, if you will, of discipleship, a culture of discipleship. Be patient, be persistent. Keep asking. If the first person tells you no, they don't have time, find another person. If you have to, if it comes to the point where you just say, this is not happening at my church, and you have to leave, the thing I would tell you is leave graciously. Exit gracefully. Don't exit saying, no, this is the worst church. Don't go online and talk about how every church I've been to in the past has not taught me the word. Be gracious in your exit and move to a church where you can lean in and prioritize the local church, being discipled in the local church, being brought up and taught to pressed on to maturity in the local church. Go to a church that proclaims Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man so they may present every man in Christ, every man mature in Christ or complete in Christ. But dear friends, don't assume from the outset that your church is not doing this. Be humble, be teachable, prioritize your local church. Consider reducing the amount of online content you're taking so that you can make more time for the local church. Maybe listen to your pastor's sermon again during the week before you go to listen to three other sermons from some guy. What I could tell you in my limited experience as a pastor is nobody prays for the saints of our church. No other pastor, no online pastor prays for the saints of Grace Community Baptist Church like I pray for the saints of Grace Community Baptist Church, like the elders of our church pray for the saints at our church. Nobody has as much care for them as we do. Your favorite online preacher, I'm not saying his doctrine's not sound. I'm not saying there's no profit in listening to him. But he has not been given charge over your souls. He does not love you. He does not pray for you. He does not care for you the way that your local church pastor does. Nor should he. He should be doing that for his own church. And I pray that he is. 
So dear friends, lean in, make a priority of your own church, be eager to teach the, to be, to be taught the word, be eagerly examining the word to see that these things are so, and therefore be a noble Berean. Well, friends, I've gone long on this episode, but I really have laid out my heart for you on this, and I pray that it's been encouraging to you. Thanks again for tuning in to Farmer Theologian as we continue to build deeply rooted practical theology.